0: We are wrapping up our series called Living Your Best Life, and uh, what we kind of said as the premise of this is that no one wants to get to the end of their lives and, and have a life filled with regrets. No one wants to have the, the desire for do-overs, and in fact, God wants to help us experience our best life. And so we kind of founded this, um, this whole series on two verses in Proverbs chapter 3 that says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, submit to him. And he will make your path straight. Or, or you could also translate that as, as that he will direct your past. And what we said in week one is that um, 83% of Americans do not have goals in their lives, which is a little scary. It means that a lot of us are making decisions based on what what feels good in the moment, right? Or, or, or what, I, what will make me happy, I think, right now. And so we talked about how do we set goals in our lives that are going to force us to, to trust God, right? To lean in on God, to depend on Him with all of our lives. And then last week we answered the question, how do we hear God's voice, right? That God is speaking to us. In fact, God wants us to listen for his voice everywhere we go and in everything that we do. And so what does that look like? And, and how do we understand what it is that God is saying to us so that we can, we can keep on track? And today we're gonna talk about what does it mean? What does God mean when he says he wants to direct our paths, right? Well, what does that look like? How do we make decisions in our lives that, that keeps us on the path towards, towards our best life, right? And so what does that look like um, for us? Let me ask you a question. Do any of you struggle with indecision? <laughs> Those of you that didn't put your hand up, you're like, I'm not, I'm not sure if I should do it. Yes, you do. Bingo, right? Like, that's you. We, we nailed it. Some of you were, just weren't even sure about that. This happens in our family all the time, and, and I, I don't know why, but it, it seems to usually revolve around the topic of food. And uh, um, when I ask Laura just simple questions, right? Like, I'll ask her, Are you hungry? And that is such an easy question, right? Because it's either it's yes or no, right? Or it should be. It's not, right? It never is in my house. It it always starts with, well, I haven't eaten yet, so I I probably should be, right? But I'm not I'm not really feeling it right now. But if I don't eat now, I'll probably be hungry later. So I guess I should probably eat now. But it really depends on what the options are. Are you hungry? And I'm like, what, what? just happened there? Right? Like that was yes or no. Like I don't understand. And if somehow we figure out a way to navigate through that, it, it then leads to the next question, um, which creates just as much chaos. Which is, where do you want to go eat? Right? Like, and it, and it should be a simple, safe question. Some of you are like elbowing each other and pointing at people because because we we deal with this this question, right? And and so where where do you want to go eat? And and it starts the same way as well. I don't really have a preference, right? Like, and and you know, you know me. Why don't you choose what you feel like? You know what I like. I'm probably just going to get a salad, anyways. And so it ends with me saying, "Fine, we're going to Burger King." I hate Burger King. Why would you choose Burger King? And I'm like, ah, right? Like, I don't know. I don't know what to to do right now. Probably the biggest example um, in our marriage came when we tried to name our son uh, our son Ty. And uh, uh, we we knew we were having a boy, and so we uh, we both came with lists, right? We we had a list of five names on it and and we both read each other's list and and we vetoed all five we, were like, we weren't even we weren't even close it's not like two of them were like okay like we could talk about that a little more like we were both looked at each other and went what are you thinking right like I'm not gonna name not gonna name our kid that like I don't, I don't even understand and so it then changed into well let's switch strategies and so I played the the I'm the head of the household it's biblical card, and, uh, Yeah, that went over as well as you can imagine. It it did. I'm like, I'm the husband, I'm the father, I'm a man, he's a boy, I should choose. And Laura, she just looked at me, right? (laughs) That that same look that I mentioned to you last week, the one that says, you're a moron, right? And and it was a very clear look. And she said, let me ask you one question. She said, who's giving birth to him? (laughs) And I was like, uh, yeah okay that, yeah, that, that's a good point right and so we agreed that we were completely disagreeing right that it was a, it was a tie we were at this place and all of a sudden we realized we just agreed on something tie that's his name and that's how that's how we that's how we called our kid we've all felt the tension of indecision in our lives, right? We've all felt that, and, and tension, it leads to, indecision leads to disastrous things that can happen for us, right? In, in relationships, in all kinds of different areas. In fact, I would say that, that indecision always leads to some form of, of instability, whether that's emotional instability, or whether that is uh, relational instability, spiritual, right? There's always, there's always impact to that when we deal with those, with those decisions. So how do I navigate How do I navigate the decision dilemmas that I face in my life, right? Because when we were a kid, it was so much easier when you were a kid. You had to choose which sport do you want to play. Do you want to play baseball or football? Or maybe which lunch did you want? Did you want a hot dog or grilled cheese, right? Like it was easy. And and then you grew up a little bit, you got a little older, and you had to decide, do I want to go to this college or or that college? And then you went to college and you had to decide, am I going to choose this major or that major? Maybe the bigger dilemma was, should I get rejected by that girl or just stay single, right? Like, maybe, maybe that was it for some of us. And then you move on from college, right? You get to the place of, should I choose this job or, or that job, right? Should we get married, right? Like, should I marry this guy or that guy? Because ladies tend to have choices. Guys is whoever says yes first, right? We're just like, I'm in. I'm committed to you. This is, this is all, it's as good as it's going to get. And maybe from there, it leads to the, the kid conversation, right? Should we have kids now or should we wait? Should we have one kid or should we have a, a hockey team, right? Should we, should we live here or, or, or live there? Should we rent this house or, or buy that house? Should we get a dog or a cat? That one's easy. Never the cat, always a dog, right? Like cats are from the devil, dogs are from heaven, right? That, that's easy. That's God's will. That's God's will. That one I can help you with. Every single day we make, we make thousands of decisions, and most of them are, are insignificant, But over time, even small decisions, right, can have a a major impact in your life. But every once in a while, we all face those big decisions that we have to make. Stuff like schools and jobs and finances and family and and Jesus and how I'm going to invest my life. And see, the bigger the decisions are, we don't usually have to make those very often, but the consequences of those decisions are so much bigger than than anything else. In fact, I I was just reading a post from a a guy that I know um, when I lived in, in California, and he, uh, he just posted uh, that not too long ago, he quit an incredible job. He was in student ministry at a, at a fantastic church. Uh, he lost a, a loved one, and, uh, and as a result, he quit his job and moved to a different city, to a different church, new position, picked up his family, and moved them all there. And in this post, he was saying it, it didn't work. I wasn't right for the job, I, I, didn't, I didn't think it all the way through, I made a bad decision, I made a quick decision, now I understand why they say in times of loss you shouldn't make major life decisions, and he said, and I did. And it doesn't just impact me, but it impacts my entire family now. Will you just pray that God opens up the next door for us? And I think so many of us are in that place, right, where we just want to, we want to avoid that big wrong decision in our lives, but we also want to make the right decisions. And so how do I make decisions that are going to keep me in line with God's path for my life, right? The, the way that God is, is directing and, and leading me. If I want to trust Him, if I want to lean in and, and depend completely on Him, then how will He guide my path? What does that look like for us? I want to show you, if you have your Bible, I'd love for you to turn with me to James chapter 4. And that's what we're going to be for, uh, for today, for a little bit. And um, if you don't have a Bible with you, that's okay. You can follow along on the side screens. We're going to have the verses up there. You can download our app as well. There's lots of great stuff on the app, including a place where you can follow along with some of the notes there. While you're turning to James 4, let me just give you a little bit of, of background. Now, James is Jesus' half-brother, okay? And so he wrote this letter uh, somewhere around 44, 49 AD, so about 45 years uh, kind of after Jesus. And, and you can imagine what it would have been like growing up with Jesus as your brother, right? Like, you can imagine just the stress that would come with that. Like, his room would always be clean, right? Like, because he'd have angels do it or something, right? Like, everything was always put away, and, and for homework, right? His homework was always perfect. You had to use a calculator. He had the Holy Spirit, right? Like, it was just like definite advantage. You got water in your lunch. He turned his into grape juice, right? Like, all of these different things that, that would just seem so unfair growing up with Jesus as your brother, and so it's, it's not surprising that the Bible actually tells us that James wasn't a follower of Jesus during his, during his ministry. In fact, in Mark chapter 3, it says that, that his, the half-brothers of Jesus, at one point, they, they kind of confronted Jesus, and they were like, dude, you're out of your mind, right? Like, the things that you're saying and the things that you're doing, who do, who do you think you are? Well, it says later that James finally became a, a believer— After he saw Jesus, after through his death and and his resurrection, right after the crucifixion, and he saw Jesus was was alive and well and, and all of the miracles and everything all of a sudden came together and he realized, wow, my brother, my brother is is God, right? My brother is is the son of God. Like how how crazy is that? And everything changed in James' life. He became one of the leaders in the church at Jerusalem, and he wrote this letter, right, this book, and, and it's overflowing with wisdom. In fact, a lot of people call it um, the Proverbs of the New Testament, and so we're going to take a look at the, at some, some verses in the book of James, and then we're going to also take a look at, at many Proverbs today, some wisdom passages that are going to help us make good decisions in our lives. James chapter 4, beginning of verse 13, says this, now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and, and make some money, right, let me just stop there for a second. Because you, you can listen to that, right? And you go, I, I don't hear anything wrong with that, Donnie, right? In fact, that, that's, not very, that's not any different than today, right? That's kind of how, how we talk. It's things that we do. It's people making plans. It's people making decisions. I'm going to move here, right, and then I'm going go to go to school there. I'll, I'm hoping to stay afterwards and, and get a job and, and make some money, right? Or, or maybe it's, I've been to school, now or we're going to move back home, right, and, and we're going to get married, and we're going to try and get out of debt, pay off some of our, our student loans, and then settle down and begin to have a family. Maybe it's a I'm gonna go there for a year, maybe two years, I'm gonna work in that industry or work for that for that company, right? And I'm gonna gain some experience, and then I'm gonna leave there and I'm gonna start, I'm gonna start my own business, right? Like that's my dream. And so people were making plans and, and they were making decisions. Look what James says in verse 14. Why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then and then vanishes so James asks this question, he goes, why, why do we do that? Right? Why do we plan for the future? Because we don't, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, right? You, you have no guarantee of anything coming up. And, and he, he says, you're asking the wrong question. In fact, James even asks this question, he says, what, what is your life? You're asking, well, what school should I go to? Or which job should I take? Who should I marry? Should I, should I eat at Chipotle or, or Moe's, right? Like You're asking all of these questions, and James says, your life is a, is a mist. In fact, in the Greek, it literally means a, a vapor that would appear when you boil water, right? It's like steam. Like it, when, it, when it comes out of the pot, right, it's there for like a, a second or two, and then, and, then it, and then it's just gone. And that's what James is saying. That your life, it's, it's only temporary, it's short, you're only here for a little while. <laughs> so you're like, wow, Donnie, this is very happy, right? Like a very positive, very positive message. But here's James' point, here's what he's saying. Why do we get so hung up on the, on the temporary decisions? Why do we stress about? Why do we worry about? Why do we spend so much time thinking about, about the things that are insignificant in the big picture of what God is trying to do? He's saying, like, these aren't the best questions. This, this shouldn't be the focus of our lives. We were created for something so much bigger than that. Look what he says in verse 15. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Instead of wanting or or instead of focusing on what it is that I want, what James is telling us is that I should want what God wants, right? That that's what it should be in my life. I want to want what God wants, right? Like that's what I that's what I want in my life. I want what it is that God wants for me, what he wants to do in my life, what he wants to to teach me. See, we've said this throughout this entire series, and it started in week one. We said that one of the goals of our life, and probably our main goal, is that we are to be like to be like Jesus. And Jesus modeled this when he was in the the garden of of Gethsemane, right? Right before he went to the cross, right before he took arson upon himself, and and he said this, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Jesus says, (laughs) God, right, Father, Daddy, right? He's crying out to him. He says, everything's possible for you. There is nothing that is impossible for you, right? You can do anything that you want to do. You are in control of all things. I, I absolutely believe that. And, and so I'm, I'm going to say this to you. I, I take this cup from me. I don't want to do this. I don't want to go through with this. I don't want this to happen. Is there a plan B? Is there something else we can do? Because I believe that nothing's impossible for you. So God, let's talk about this. Let's talk about some other options. Can we put something on the table? But then Jesus ends by saying, but you know what? That's what I want. But it's not about what I want. It's about what you want, right? It's not about my will. It's not about my way. It's about, it's about your way in my life. See, Jesus wasn't trying to avoid dying for us. Jesus knew what he came to do, right? That's what he came to do. He came, he came to give up his perfect life in exchange for our broken, sinful, messy, dirty lives, right? Like that, that's what he came to do. What he didn't want to do, what he's talking about here in this passage, is he says, I don't want to be separated from my Father. See, when he took our sin upon himself, Right? It made us, we were, we were clean, right? Like we didn't have sin anymore. So our relationship with God could be restored. But when he took all of our sin upon himself, it separated him from his father for the first time in eternity. It had never happened before. And Jesus is saying, That's the part that I don't want to do. I don't want to be separated from you, God, if there's any other way. But even, even at the expense of that, Father, I want your will, not my will. I want your ways, not, not my ways. See, Jesus is very clear about what he wants here. You ever heard someone kind of start sentences like that or start conversations with, Lord willing. Lord willing, we'll, we'll do this next week, right? Lord willing, we'll grab lunch or, or coffee tomorrow or, or whatever it is. Uh, one of my mentors in life, he used to say that all the time. And it's such a, such a cool reminder, right? That it's not about what I want. It's, it's about what, what God allows, what God wants in my life. See, I want God's will. I want God's plan for my life. Because I trust that He loves me. I trust and believe that He knows what is best for me. And so I want to lean in. I want to trust. I want to depend on Him with all of my life. Right? In fact, look at, what, look at what John said. One of Jesus' followers, right? one of His disciples. He said this in 1 John chapter 2. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father but from the world, right? Mike just talked about this in our last series called Seven. He talked about lust and he talked about pride, right? You can go online and watch it. It's an incredible series. But then look what he says in verse 17. He says this, the world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. See, the world and your desires, the things that, that we're consumed about, right? The things that we are concerned about, says that they're going to pass away. They're important. James isn't saying that they're not important. John's not saying that. I'm not saying that. It's not that they're not important. God actually cares about those things. God cares about the smallest details of your life. In fact, the Bible says that that he knows how many hairs we have on our heads. I save God a lot of time in counting, right? So he can focus on other things in my life. I'm like, God, I got so many other issues. Don't worry about the hair thing. Like, I need you to put your attention o- over here. But God says, I care about those things. But all of those things, they're They're temporary right, they're eventually going to pass away. But, right, here, here's the, the big but in this. It says this, whoever does the will of God lives forever. Let me ask you a question. How, how do I discover God's will? Right, how do, I, how do I know how to live that out every single day in my life? How do I navigate the decision dilemmas that I make on a regular basis or that I face on a regular basis? There's a lot of terrible ways to make decisions, right? Maybe, maybe some of you, maybe you've tried this. I hope not, but maybe it's a, the fleece method, right? It, it kind of goes like this. Like, if it rains, the answer's yes. If it doesn't rain, then the answer's no. You can't do that in North Carolina, right? Because every 15 minutes, you'd be changing your mind. You're like, I don't, I don't know if I should do that. I don't, I don't even understand. It, it changes so fast. It's like the guy who was pulling up um, in front of Krispy Kreme, right? And he said, Lord, if it's your will for me to get a dozen Krispy Kreme donuts, and may there be an empty parking spot right in front of Krispy Kreme. And on the seventh time around the block, there it was, right? The Lord's will. He's like, I, I, I know you were speaking to me. Don't do that. Or, or maybe the, the flip and point method, right? I don't know if you've ever tried this one. It's like, Lord, you show me your will. And so I'm going to flip through the Bible, and I'm just going to point, and you're going you're to show me everything. One guy did this, and, and so he flipped through, and he pointed, and he pointed to 1 Chronicles 19, and it said, Hanan seized David's envoys, shaved them, cut off their garments at the buttocks. He was like, well, that's, that's weird, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try it again. And so he flipped and pointed to Luke 10, and it said, go and do likewise, right? And so, like, that's a <laughs> terrible way to make decisions, right? Like, that's not, that's not how we should, how we should do it. So how do I know if my decision is in God's will, right? How do I know if it's right? Is God's will like big and broad and I, I just kind of try and land it somewhere close or, or is it very specific and very narrow? Is there only one person for me to marry? And, and if that's true, what happens if I marry the wrong person, right? Does it send a chain reaction through the entire universe? Like nobody else gets to marry the right person anymore because of, of, of my mistake. Let me give you a short theology lesson. And then some practical ways that we can apply this to our life that I can, I can almost guarantee, right, that your decisions will be successful in, in life because God has so much to, to say about this. So I think God's will is kind of like golf. And and it doesn't matter if you play golf, right? We're all familiar with the concept of of golf. You start at one point, you end at another. But down the middle, right, there's this zone down the middle, which is where you want to be, right? And it's called the fairway. And the fairway, the grass is shorter. Like that's its easiest place to take your next shot from, right? To make your next decision. That's where you want to play the game of golf. It's not where I play the game of golf, but that's where you want to play the game of golf, right? But on the outside edges of of the fairway, right, of that middle zone, on the outside edges, they intentionally grow the grass a little bit longer, right? And they call that the rough, and it's called that because because that's what it is, right? It's a rough place to play from, it's just, it's that much harder to make a good shot and to make contact, and so, um, so they've got the rough on the outside. Now, even outside of that sometimes, they've got things called hazards, and that's things like trees and sand and like water and stuff. That's where I play, right? Because I'm like, anyone can play down the middle. I want a challenge. And so I play, I play on the outside. But when you're in, a, in the rough or when you're in a hazard, right, your whole goal is to try and get back to the middle, right? You want to get back to the fairway, back to the sweet spot, back where you should be, where the game is easier, where your next choice is easier. See, God's got a couple of things that, that one is called the sovereign will of God. And the sovereign will of God is this. It's kind of like one side of the fairway. It's, it's what God is doing on earth. See, God controls all outcomes. He doesn't control decisions, but God controls all of, all of the outcomes, right? God has a, a purpose in the world, which means that every president, every prime minister, every king, every mayor, every ruler, like anybody in, in those places, right, that, that in places of authority, right, that they, they have rules, right? They, they rule based on God's permission. That's the only place that they're in that authority is is that they've got God's permission to do that. So which means they have the choice to make choices. They have the freedom. Whatever choices they make, if they're right choices and good choices, great. If they're bad choices, they're they're wrong, they hurt people, right? They have that freedom. But God makes sure that, that the outcome, right? That the outcome of those choices, that it contributes to his ultimate purpose in the world. See, God's already doing stuff all around us. It leads to some questions like, do I know Do I know what it is, right? Am I cooperating with what it is that God is doing around me? See, God's will is always connected to to everyone else's as well, right? We're all connected together because we're all a part of something bigger that God is doing. He's saying, I want you to join me in what I'm doing in the world. In fact, Jesus one day, he was hanging out with his disciples and, and his followers, and they said, Jesus, will you teach us how to pray? When you pray, there's just something is different how you pray. And so, so Jesus taught us this prayer. And, and it's, it's even if you've never been to church before, it's, it's called the Lord's Prayer. And you may be familiar with it. In fact, if you're like my age or older, we used to have to say it in school, right? Back when, back when telephones were like attached to the wall, like way way back in, in the day, we used to say this Lord's Prayer. And before we get to the part where we ask for our daily bread, right? Which is where we say, God, I, here's the things that I need. Here's the things that I want in my life. Before we get to that part in the prayer, the part of the prayer is what Jesus, He told us to say this: Your kingdom come and your will be done. That God, before I get to, to my part of what I need, right, I, I have to recognize that your kingdom come. You've got a, a, there's a big kingdom. There's something way bigger going on than, than just my little world and what I need in, in my world, right? Your kingdom come. You should be in control, your ways on this side, and your will be done. Not, not just, don't just give me the things that I want. I'm going to ask for some stuff in a little bit, but it's not about what I want. It's about, it's about your will being done in my life. See, we need to align our lives to what, to what God is, is already doing in the world first. That's one side of the fairway. The other side is, is the moral will of God, right? And, and so, this is what God's already said in his Word. God's already been very vocal about things, right? How to live our best life, how our attitudes and things that we should and shouldn't do. God's given us all kinds of stuff in His Word. He's never going to ask us to do anything that contradicts what's in His Word, right? We talked about that last week. Let me give you an example, right? When God says, do not steal, here's why He says that. Because one is it proves that I don't trust God, right? God, I'm not trusting you with my future. I'm not trusting you to meet my needs. And, and so I think I know better. I think I can do this better than, than you can do it. And so when I steal, God, I, I'm saying that I, I just don't trust you to provide. But I'm also saying that I'm also not content with what it is that you have provided, right? The, the things that you have given me, everything that you have provided, I'm just, I'm not satisfied in that. It's not good enough for me. And the third thing is that it, it hurts others. When I steal from someone, right, I'm, I'm hurting someone else by taking, by taking what's not mine, taking from them. And so God gives us his moral will. And so these are the outside edges, right? God's sovereign will and God's moral will that kind of make up where we should be. And, and we want to fall somewhere in between this. And in between we find the personal will of God. God has a personal plan for your life. How do I, at least this place, right? How how do I know then if I should do this or if I should do that, right? Like how how do I make those decisions? You're not going to find a book that has your life written down in it and all the decisions that that you should should make. But the more that I get to know the sovereign will of God and the the moral will of God, the more I'm going to understand my personal will of God in in the middle of that, right? Let me just make a side note on this. God doesn't want to make decisions for you. God doesn't, he doesn't ever do that because he wants you to grow. He wants you to become mature in this, right? If you've ever heard someone say this, or even if you have said it, it's okay, right? But but it's not where you want to go from now on. If you've ever heard someone say, I'm just going to leave it up to the Lord. I'm just going to let God decide, right? God will decide what, what he wants to do in, in, in my life. I wonder if God's not up there going, well, it's, it's going to be a long time, right? Before you, before you get an answer because I've already told you what you should do and I gave you a brain and I gave you the freedom to make choices in your life. In fact, look at this promise from James 1 verse 5. It says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. See, God wants us to make wise decisions. Here's the promise. God will give you wisdom. God wants to give you wisdom in his life. Now let me give you five ways and and five questions that you can ask that it's gonna help you stay in the fairway, right? Stay down the middle, stay on the path that God wants for you with the decisions that you make. Here's the first one, is it starts by checking the Bible. Right, we have to always start by checking the Bible. I'm going to give you some, some words that go with this too that, that maybe help you remember this. Maybe it, it, it kind they kind of rhyme and so it, it, it helps for some of you. It's revelation. What has God already revealed to me? What has He already said to us through His Word? See, before you get anyone else's perspective on the decisions that you need to make, you need to get... God's perspective in your life. This book is filled with advice for how you make decisions, how to live your life, how to lead your family, right? How work and attitudes, all of those things. It is in here because God has given that to us. He created us, and so he knows what's best for us. And so he's given us these instructions to help us live, to live our best life. Last, uh, Last weekend, I was at the uh, at the Apex campus, and um, and we were trying to we were trying to unlock the back doors, and there was uh, three of us. Um, all guys, I'm not going to share the names of the other two to protect, um, to protect the, the guilty in this, but we were all back there, right, and, and, and we all had these ideas, we all had theories, we found the key, and, and each one of us was like, I'm pretty sure I know how to do it, right, step aside guys, I'll show you, and it, it didn't work, and the next guy went, and the next guy, and, and so all three of us, we were back there for at least five minutes trying to figure out how to, how to unlock the, the back doors. And finally one of them, and, and I wish it was me, but it, it wasn't, but finally one of the guys just said, hey, hey, it says right here, right? Here's the instructions clearly written on the handle of the door as to how to unlock the door. And as soon as we followed the instructions, it, it, they unlocked perfectly, right? It, it, was, it was so easy. See, when in doubt, you read, read the owner's manual because God has given us this manual for life. In fact, look at what Proverbs chapter 2 says. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding, he holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless. Did you notice the five benefits that come when we, when we check the Bible first, right? When we listen to God's words, it says that he provides wisdom and knowledge, understanding, success, and a shield or protection in our lives. See, and when I have to make a major decision, Man, those are the five things that I want when I'm making a decision, right? I want God's wisdom, and I want knowledge to know what's best. I want understanding. What's this going to look like? How is this going to impact my family if I make this decision? I want success. I want this decision to be, to be successful, and I want God's protection when, I, when I'm making the decision. See, while waiting for a voice, start looking for a Verse. Last week we talked about this. We talked about how do we hear God's voice and we said that it always includes a a time in in a waiting room, right? That we're always going to have to wait on God for periods of time. But it doesn't mean that we just sit there while we wait. We can start looking into what God has already said. He's given us access to His Word, whether it's downloading a free app If you don't have a Bible or you have one and it's really hard for you to read or understand, we will give you one today. You just have to go to next steps after and say, can you just give me a Bible? We will make sure that you walk out with one. You have access to the words of God for your life available to you. Problem is, is that most of us, we just don't spend consistent time reading it. Laura, after high school, her first year of, of college, she actually went and spent a year in England going to college, and we had just started dating, and, and so we we're kind of at that awkward place of, like, what do we do with this, like, relationship, and, uh, and so she went to England, and we began writing letters to each other. This was way back in, in the day, and here's what I didn't do, right? When I got letters from Laura, I didn't just hold on to them and go, wow, I got a letter, right? Like, look at that envelope. That is that's so great. I didn't carry it around with me and, and show other people, look, it's even got a stamp with the queen's face on it, right? Like, this is amazing. I didn't buy a protective folder to hold all of the letters so that I could carry them around with me. I didn't start a small group so we could talk about what she might have written in the the letters, right? Like, I didn't do any of that. I tore those letters open, right, as soon as I got one in the mail. And I didn't read it just once. I read it over and over and over again. I dissected every word because I wanted to know what she said. I wanted to know what was in her heart. I wanted to know her, her better. See, this is what God has given us. When you have to make a decision, any decision in life, in any area, whether it's family or, or, or kids or work or education or fine, wh- whatever it is, right? Here's the question we need to ask. What does God say? What is it that God is, is saying to us? Before you do anything, you get God's perspective. Here's the second one, is that we need to get the facts. And this is information, right? We, we, we have God's revelation, now we need information. So before you make a decision, you need to, to collect as many facts as you can. The problem is, most of us collect the facts. The problem is, is that we, we do it after the fact, right? Like we make the decision and then we're like, I wish I I wish I had known that, right, before I made that decision. I wish I could go back and, and do that over again. Instead, what if we do our due diligence? We study, we examine, we ask questions, we research, and we try to get a realistic view of the situation before you make a decision, before you go in any direction. Look at Proverbs 13. Wise people think before they act. Fools don't. And even brag about their foolishness. See, a lot of people go into marriage in that same way, right? And and then they'll say, but but we love each other. But what are you going to live on? We're going to live on love well, that'll last you for about four days, right? Like, what are you, you going to do after, after that? you got to get some facts here, right? Uh, Proverbs 14 says this, The wise are cautious and avoid danger. Fools plunge ahead with reckless confidence. If you have your Bible, man, I, I would love for you to, to circle or underline fools plunge ahead, or maybe yours says acts too quickly right? That's something you should mark, and It's one of the biggest mistakes that we make in decision making. Instead of making the right decision, we try to make the fast decision, right? Because we want it now. It's just part of our culture, so we try to make things as, as quickly as possible, and sometimes it's because we feel pressured to make a fast decision. Can I tell you something? That pressure is never from God. God will never pressure you to make a a decision, right? You're you're never going to feel that pressure from God. And you may be saying, well, Donnie, how how do you know that? Well, look at what Jesus said in Matthew 11. And Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you more pressure, right? I'll I'll just pile the pressure. No, he says, "I'll, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. See, God doesn't ever put more pressure on you. If you're feeling pressure to make a decision, that pressure is coming from you. It's coming from other people. It's it's coming from the devil or culture or something. I don't know where it's coming from, but I know that it's not coming from God. So anytime you feel pressured, stop, right? And and, and stop for a moment and just say, "Why, why am I feeling this pressure right now? And here's the question you ask. What do I need to know? What is it that I'm not I'm not getting, right? Is there something that I'm missing? What is it that I need to know and it's time to get the facts? Here's the third one, is that we ask for advice. You have revelation and information and now it's time for, for consultation. You can change that to conversation if you want. That, w- that would work too. See, I think too many of us, what we do is that we, we just pretend that we know it all and so we just go ahead and we make a mistake and we'd, we'd rather do that than admit that we need help and, and ask people for advice. So you need to talk to people. Before you make a decision, talk to people who have made a similar decision to the one that you're trying to make. If, if you're trying to move somewhere, right, talk to someone who moved there. If you're thinking of leaving a job and starting a new job, talk to someone who, who did that. If you're thinking of starting a family, right, talk to someone who's a little further down the road. Tell them and find somebody who's doing something that you're doing so they can talk you out of it, right? Because maybe that's it. Maybe sometimes it's, it's, this isn't the right decision to make. Second is that you talk to friends who know you. People are just going to be honest with you, who are going to tell you the truth about you. Is this me? Right? Should I be making this decision? You know me. You know how I make decisions. Am I doing that thing again that I, typ- that I typically do? Or, or is, is this a good decision for me? Proverbs 20, verse 18 says, plans are established by seeking advice. So if you wage war, obtain guidance. See, getting advice could prevent a disaster in your life. People say it's wise to learn from experience, and that's true. But it's wiser to learn from the experiences of others, right? Like, that's a, that's a wiser way to learn. Life is too short for you to make all the mistakes yourself. You don't, you don't need to do that. Proverbs 15 says, Plans fail for a lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. Here's the question. Who could advise me? Who in my life do I trust? Who in my life is going to be honest with me? Who in my life wants to see me succeed? and they're gonna tell me the truth. Here's the fourth one, you count the cost. See, then you get to this place of evaluation. You've got to evaluate because you got to figure out in advance what's this decision gonna cost me because every decision you make has a price tag to it. it what's it gonna cost me in time? What's it going to cost me in money? How's it going to impact my family or my relationships? What other opportunities is this going to cost me? What am I going to have to to say no to? What am I going to have to give up? Right, Proverbs 20, verse 25 says, don't trap yourself by making a rash promise to God and only later counting the cost. So you need to take time and evaluate what this decision is going to cost you. Yeah, it may be a great promotion, and there may be more money in it, and and a bigger team, and a a nicer office, but if it's going to require longer hours at work, if it's going to require you to to cut corners in your character, is it worth it? Yeah, you may be desperate to get into a relationship, but if it's going to negatively affect your faith in Jesus... Right? If if the the actions of your relationship, if they're going to contradict God's Word, if this is going to negatively impact your relationships with your family and with your friends, then the question you ask is, is it, is it worth it? Decisions aren't really that complicated, right? You decide what you want and then decide what you're willing to pay for it. Here's the last one. The last one is that you step out in faith, right? That you take initiation, but you have to step out in faith. See, at some point, you're going to have to pull the trigger. When, when it seems like, man, everything's lining up with what God's word has to say. So I've got revelation and, and, and I've got the facts and, and they make sense. This is, it seems like this is a wise decision to make. I've got the information and I've asked for advice and, and people around me that love me have given me the green light on this. So I've got consultation and I've counted the cost, right? I've done the evaluation of what this is going to do in my life and it's all lining up and seems to be where God is leading. Well, then now you have to step out in faith. Romans 8.31 says, if God is for us, then who can be against us? No matter how difficult of a decision that is, no matter matter how much fear may be involved in making that decision, you've got to trust God and you've got to start moving forward. So many times in in our life, every major decision we made as a family, right? There's been fear right? I, I'm never going to tell you that, that, that it's easy to make those decisions, right? There's been all kinds of that in our lives. When we left, made the decision to leave Canada, leave our country, and move to the middle of nowhere, Illinois, right? Like, that That took some faith for us to, to, to step into that. And when we left Illinois and went to Southern California, and we, we literally had no money, right? My job wasn't paying me. It was, I was doing an, an internship. We had to use tie as collateral just to rent an apartment, right? Like, it, it, when we were at that place, it was scary, but, but we, we stepped out in faith. When we moved from, from Southern California to Raleigh, North Carolina, to come work at a, at a church that used Ozzy Osbourne songs as an opener and where the pastor called old people on Facebook perverts, right? Like that that took a, a step of faith for us to, to do. Or am I making the right decision? How is this going to impact my family, right? You always are going to wonder, is, is this right? But we did it anyways. Can I tell you why we did it anyways? Because I have decided that I'm going to build my life on the promises of God. Not, the, my, not my personal fears. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he, he will make your paths straight. See, God supports those who move in faith. Here's the question. Where do I need to trust God? Where today, this weekend, right, this week, this year, where do I need to, to trust God? What decisions do you need to make? See, your heavenly father, he created you. Jesus died for you. And if you are a follower of Jesus, then the Holy Spirit lives in you, right? God doesn't create anything without purpose and, and without intention in, in this world. And so the fact that you're alive means that God loves you and that God has an incredible plan for your life, that you are priceless. You are his, his masterpiece, so I dare you to do something significant with your life. I dare you to make decisions that will determine your destiny. I dare you to, to make choices that are going to shape your character. Because we become what it is or who it is that we are, we're committed to. So to you know where God is directing. I need to start by going in God's direction. Will you bow with me as we pray? Father, we thank you. God, thank you that you want the best life for us. Father, I believe every single one of us, one day, we're going to stand in front of you and there's going to be a couple things that we're going, to be, we're going to be asked, that we're going to be held accountable to. And one is, what did we do with your son, Jesus? And so, Father, I pray today that if there's anyone, anyone in, in this room at any of our campuses this weekend, God, and you're at that place where, where you're, just, you're just saying, I, I need a relationship with Jesus. I am tired of trying to do this on my own. It's, it's easy. Right? It's, you just put your faith and your trust in him. There's no magical prayer. There's nothing you have to do to earn it. God has done everything for you. And so just in the quiet of your heart, if you just repeat this after me, that Jesus, I believe that you are God's son. And I thank you that you have done everything for me. I thank you that through your death and through your resurrection that I have been forgiven and set free. And so God, I trust you with my life. Jesus, I want the best life and I believe it's in partnership with you. I surrender everything to you. Lead me and I will follow. If you just prayed anything like that, your life has changed forever. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make in your life. But the other question that we're all going to face is, is what did we do with, with what it is that God gave us? And God, I pray that when we get to that point that point in time, we're standing face to face with you. That God, we're going to be able to share so many incredible things that you did in our lives. That God, we experienced the best life because we put our trust completely in you. God, we listened for your voice in everything that we did, everywhere that we went. And God, we made decisions that kept us in the middle of what it was that you were trying to do in our lives. So God, we thank you for loving us this much. Thank you for giving us our best life. It's in your name we pray, amen.